It is awesome that we are able to pivot and do all the things that we're doing in this season. We're still in that weird kind of what is going on. And so whatever you feel most comfortable with doing, know that we're welcome in here. You can sit outside or you can watch at home. Regardless, we are a family. We're a family, imperfect family, that is, called Cypress Creek Church. And we do are doing our best to look to our perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. We've been in a healing journey. I have. I hope you have as well. Because there's a lot inside that we can turn to and see and have to deal with. But, you know, there's all these distractions outside that we can say, I'd rather not do this inside thing and just be distracted and, and, and with what, what, what is going on outside. Let me read this verse in Ephesians 4, which has really been kind of the heart of where we've been in this Church That Heals series. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is talking about the body and how he's given us gifts, and then he's told us that together we're, we're, we're better together, but also When we are together, we are not tossed around by everything that's going on in the outside. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's our goal. To be a church that is healthy, to be a church that is growing because healthy things grow, and to be a church that is full of love. We started by looking at three ingredients that, that, that are key to our healing process, and that is grace, truth, and time. We looked at the parable of the fig tree and how we dig, we got to dig to find that truth. What is really inside of that? Yesterday I was pulling weeds because sometimes that's just the thing you need to do to help your brain reset or just do something with your hands outside, right? We're all here all day and here all day. It's just nice to put your hands in some dirt sometimes and, and, and do things. Anyway, I was teaching my daughters to do that. We were pulling up weeds and you know, she was pulling them up from the outside and said, no, you got to grab it and then pull it, pull the root out. Otherwise, it's going to keep on coming back. We got to dig and we got to find out truth. Sometimes it's not pretty truth of what's going on inside. And that grace is the fertilizer. And grace comes from the outside. It doesn't come from the inside. We need something to pull fertilizer from. And, and, and that's, yes, the Lord. That's also us body. We fertilize one another. And then it takes time. And we are living in times where we are in the tyranny of the urgent. We want everything right now. And for the most part, we can get a lot of things pretty quick. I ordered some replacement parts for my grill. Man, that was Friday, Saturday. I was fixing it. Unbelievable. I know it's been a while. You know, we've had this first day thing on Amazon, but it's still kind of crazy if you think about it, you know? Anyway, that's not that. The point is, is that we want things now, and sometimes things take time. And here at Cypress Creek Church, we do believe that God can heal like that. We do believe in miraculous healing, and we pray for miracles to happen every day. But whether it comes now or whether it comes in eternity, when we are fully healed on the other side of heaven, that's not up to us to decide. That is God's job. He is sovereign, and we put our trust in him. And so sometimes our healing takes time. So today, 
we're going to follow up kind of where we left off last week with relational connection. How many of you heard a relational connection and thought, that is me? I kind of said that that was me. You, you run towards relational connection. You're, it's easy for you to talk about your feelings. It's easy. You're an extrovert, or maybe you love hanging out with people, and you're like, relational connection, that's my middle name. Let me see you. Come on. I know you're out there. It's going to be easy. There you go. Ooh, that's about half. And then for some of other of some of us, you know, that are not like that, that's my wife. You're like, relational connection? Yeah, sometimes, but not all the time. You know, don't make me, you know, be somewhere that makes me feel uncomfortable, to, to, you know, over the top. How many of you are kind of like that? So you are going to get a shout out today because last week was my strong suit. This week, a little tougher for me. We're going to talk about this thing called boundaries. Say boundaries. Boundaries help us realize the gifts that God's given us, and it helps us relate and separate from others. See, we were all created in the image of God individually. We all have differences. In those differences, we, we need a space to operate in the way that God created us to be. And boundaries help you from people like me because I like to get all up in each other's business and I'm like, oh, I got, a, I, got, I got the fix to your problem. If you just listen to me and do what I say and I know what you need to do, everything will be fine. Boundaries. Just, just wait, just stop. We're gonna learn about what that looks like today. So I got a couple of questions for you. And I want you to ask yourselves these questions. And, and if, if you're answering yes to some of these, then boundaries, this is for you. Do you have a really hard time saying no when someone needs your help? Do you often feel responsible for other people? And here's the hard one. Do you find yourself dealing with the consequences of someone else's actions? Boundaries protect us. Boundaries give us safe places in relationships. We're going to talk about this morning, after we show the video, about three healthy boundaries that help us in our relationship with the Lord, in our relationship with others, and that protect ourselves. But first, let's check out what Dr. Henry Cloud has to say about boundaries. Hey guys, so now it's time to move into the second big issue to work on, and it's something called boundaries. You might have heard that word. If you've ever heard me speak on this, I tell a story, I'll tell you now if you haven't. It's about one day I was at the hospital and a family came to see me, and it was a mom and a dad and two of their adult children in their 20s, a young man, young woman. I sat down and I said to the dad, so how can I help you? He said, well, I want you to fix my son. I said, well, where's he? And the father says, he didn't want to come. I said, why not? And he says, well, he doesn't think he has any problems. I said, well, maybe he doesn't. He said, oh, yes, he does. I said, well, he's not here. What are his problems? And he says, well, first of all, we know he's got a drug problem. I said, well, that can be serious. What's he on? He says, well, he's been smoking dope since he was about 15. I said, how old is he now? He said, he's 23. I said, okay, so he's mellow. What's the next problem? He said, well, he's flunked out of three colleges. Now, my first thought was, how do you do that? I mean, literally, I don't know how to do that. And I said to him, how do you do that? And he said, well, he did. I said, I know how you flunk out of college. The first one 
how do you get into the second one? He says, the same way I got him in the first one. He didn't have the grade. I'm on the board of a lot of, you know, I got him in. And then he said, you know what, doctor? He said, I got him in a second college. I didn't want him all that partying in the dorm. So I bought him a nice condo off campus and didn't want him to have to work and interfere with studying. So I gave him plenty of money. Yeah, he flunked out again. I said, imagine that, kids. <laughs> like parties don't travel, right? He said, and then he flunked out. You know, he said, I, and, the, and then you saw the father's heart. And he, he, he changed for a moment and kind of opened up. And he said, but the thing that bothers me the most He's 23 years old. He doesn't even have a college major. He said, when I was 23, I had started three companies. I thought for a second, and I said, well, where is he today? He said, well, he didn't want to. I said, I know he didn't want to come, but where might I find him? He said, oh, he's in Vail. I said, Colorado? He said, yeah. And I said, what's he doing there? He said, he's skiing. Thought for a second and turned to him. I said, sir, I'm sorry, <clears throat> but... I'm a psychologist, and I help people with problems, and I don't think I can help your son. He said, why not? And I said, because, frankly, I don't think he has any problems. He's got plenty of money. He's got a new home. He doesn't have any problems. I can't help him. I said, but you, on the other hand, <laughs> I can help you because you got a lot of problems. He said, what are you talking about? I said, you got a drug problem. you got a can't find my niche problem. you got a flunk out of school. He goes, that's not me. That's my... I said, <laughs> you think so? He's in Vail skiing, all right? His biggest problem is do I have time for one more run before lunch? I said, he's in Vail skiing? I said, but you, you're in a psychiatric hospital. You know what kind of people come to psychiatric hospitals? People with problems. I am going to help you to help him to have some problems. I'm gonna teach you something called boundaries. He looked at me like my German shepherd would when she didn't understand something. You know, he kind of tilted her head. And I started to explain, look, a boundary is basically a property line, okay? It defines what the property you own, what you control, what you're responsible for, how you're free to use it. And then you have a neighbor over here, and they're on their own property, and there's a fence in between. And each one of you is responsible for your own property. Well, what happens if that neighbor starts to not take responsibility for their own property and they don't cut their trees and they fall into your yard over the fence. What does the Bible call that? It calls it trespassing, coming over the fence. And see, because there aren't any fences that define what's your problems and your responsibility versus what's his, he's out of control, but the consequences of those problems are falling in your yard. It's the basic law of sowing and reaping the Bible talks about. See, when you set a limit on somebody, a boundary, and say, you know what, what you're doing is really affecting me and I want you to take responsibility for that, then what you're doing is you're creating a limit. The Bible has a thousand different ways to describe this, but that limit contains that problem and it holds somebody responsible for dealing with it themselves. Now, my hunch is you and I, all of us, we can identify with somebody in that story. You know, you might be the sibling, or the adult sibling, or you might be the parent, or it might be an extended family member that's got, you know, maybe they're an alcoholic or they're irresponsible, or maybe they got a rage problem where they, they, they throw their rage at you all the time and it, it trespasses and it hurts you. And what you keep doing is doing something we call enabling because it enables for them to not have to face their problem. 
So what a boundary does is it says no. You know, we start out in life and we say yes to love and then you get enough love and about the second year you learn another word because you get separate, right? And you start to have your own life a little bit and the toddler goes out and turns around and says no. That's their favorite word. But they also have to learn to receive no and to hear no. Now the Bible, you know, we're taught as Christians to be loving and accepting and patient and forgiving and all that. But sometimes people live out that half of the scriptures. That's the grace side. But there's a truth side. And the Bible also says that as we're being loving, that we have to speak the truth in love. And we have to stand up and say, that's not okay. This is affecting me. Also, where you're in control of your own time, energy, resources, all of that, where you get to choose what you're going to give to somebody and what you're not, instead of being manipulated and controlled into it. A lot of these symptoms we talk about, depression, anxiety, addictions, or relationship struggles, or even performance ability. How are you going to reach a goal in your life if you can't say no to manipulation? You know, you, you want to go take this course, or that's going to take time, and, you know, your, your, your friends or your pastor or somebody says, well, if you, you know, if you really love me, you'd spend that time with me, and they put that guilt trip on you, you're never going to get there. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this about our giving, because I'm not talking about living a selfish life here. I'm talking about living a life on purpose. We want to be giving, but you want to be giving to, to needs where people take what you give them, and as the Bible says, when you've had a talent invested in you, there's a return for it. See, we give to needs. We don't give to irresponsibility. We give to needs. We don't give to funding, addictive, out of control, irresponsible, rage attack kinds of behavior. Because when you're given to that, whatever we invest in is going to grow. So, for example, you say to that young man, look, I'll be glad to fund your education, but it's going to come with some truthful requirements, some expectations. You know, the next check is going to come when I get the grades from the previous quarter, and I know that you're doing what you're supposed to do, then I'll write the next check. Or if somebody's an addict, what do we say? I'll be glad to help you, but not by bailing you out one more time, but by, if you agree to go to treatment or go to a program, I'll help and I'll participate in that. So you got to ask yourself, in your giving, what are you funding? Are you in funding future pain? Are you funding life? See, that's what we want to give to. Another aspect of this is when somebody's doing something hurtful. You know, the Bible says we're to be patient and long-suffering, but patience and long-suffering doesn't begin, really, until we've stood up and said, here's the program, and I'll be patient and long-suffering with you while you go through recovery or while you go through therapy or while you're trying to change. Certainly, I'll be patient with that, but I won't be patient and continue to be abused forever. Go to Matthew 18. It's the greatest, one of the greatest examples of boundaries that you see. And what it says is, if somebody hurts you, you go to them and you talk to them in private. And then it says, if they listen and they're wise, they, you've won them over. You solve the problem. Limit set, they, they, they fix their tree, okay? But it says this, if they don't listen, what does it say do? Well, continue to nag them for five years. Continue to, to you know, try to get them to be better. Doesn't say that. It says, get a little stronger boundary. It says, get a couple of people to go with you. Sit down with them, say, you know what? We've all experienced this. 
and this hurtful behavior, it's not okay. And you do a little bit of a mini intervention. And then it goes from there to a further one. It says, you know, you, you, you start to increase the, the group size. That's a formal intervention, for example. And then it says, finally, the biggest boundary is, well, if you're not going to get sober, you can't live here. Or if you're going to continue to, to get drunk and ruin every family, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, then this year you can't come till we see some sort of change. Basically, the final boundary says some sort of separation that's aimed at getting some change. So see, this thing about boundaries, it's not being unloving. No more being unloving than a parent who says no to their kid that wants to run in the street. That's a boundary. How many parents would do better try, instead of trying to get kids to you know, come to dinner and nagging them for an hour, say dinner's at six, this isn't a drive-through, show up at six, you're gonna get some food, dinner closes at 6.45, and then everything's cleaned up and they come in hungry and say, sorry, we'll feed again tomorrow. Boundaries are about self-control. I don't want everybody else having control of you anymore. I want you to have control of you. That's what the Bible says is the fruit of the Spirit. So when you get back in control and stop the abuse, and you may need help, you may need a group, you may need to do an intervention, you may need to just have a difficult conversation. You get back in control and all these symptoms are gonna start to be healed. It's a tough one for me. What about you? Boundaries are about self-control and responsibility. It's about taking control of what you can control and what the Lord says we should control and letting go of the other things so that, I love what he mentioned, that law, sowing and reaping. We see that on and on in the Bible. So I want to look at these three areas, our relationship with the Lord, our relationship with others, and then kind of take a look at ourselves at the end and, and establish some boundaries that will help us heal, that will help us relinquish control and take responsibility for what we can only be responsible with. So first, let's look at Jesus. The very beginning of Mark chapter one, Jesus has already done some pretty amazing things. And then it says in verse 35, that very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they explained, everyone is looking for you. I think sometimes we can relate to Simon. Be like, Every, we, we, gotta, we gotta do things. As Christians, we gotta be about you know, healing and we gotta be about entering into somebody's person's life and making sure that they get on the right track and, and Jesus model this amazing boundary that is so important for us and, and it's the first thing that we need to look to and it's protecting our relationship with our Father in heaven. And Jesus establishes this boundary and there's two boundaries. It's time and it's space. It says that very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. So time is very early in the morning. He took time and he got up. He left the house and he went off to a solitary place. So he took time, intentionally took time, and then he found a place where he can be alone so that he can hear and he can talk 
to his Father in heaven, even when he had a lot to do, and even when everyone was looking for him. How do we, how do, we do that really well? Well, we gotta be intentional about it. It's not just gonna happen. If you say, yeah, I'm gonna pray, or yeah, I'm gonna take time to, there's always gonna be something that's going to say, yoo-hoo, everyone's looking for you. You got kids, they're awake, they're looking, they got needs. There's stuff at work, there's email on your phone, there's a friend that has this serious issue that he needs you, he needs you, that person needs you. Well, we need him. And until we have that time with him, we're not gonna be very good to anybody else. So that's why establishing that boundary is so important when it comes to our relationship with the Lord. If you're not convinced, then let's read Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had her sister called Mary. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Anyone? All this stuff that needs to get done, and yet here is this Sister Martha, and I love that it's a rivalry between siblings. Those are always juicy and good from the scriptures. He's saying, all she's doing is sitting. She's not doing anything. Tell her, tell her, you, tell her what she needs. Jesus said, you are worried and upset. Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. There's nothing more important than to sit and listen and be with our Heavenly Father. And if we don't have boundaries, if we don't draw the line and say, hey, from 6.30 to 7, it's dad time. If, if we don't draw a boundary and, and, and tell our, our, our bosses at work, hey, I just need to take five because I'm just fuming and, and you, we need to take a, a time and space away to go and receive from the Lord. And when we do that, we will start recognizing and that truth will start coming out. He is the fertilizer and, and time will heal. Let's look at this second boundary and this has to do with our relationship with others. He said that boundaries uh, happen and we need them. Otherwise, there's trespassing going on. Now, let's not advocate for trespassing, right? But in Matthew 6, when, when Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray, he's saying, forgive those who? Forgive those who? Trespass against us. So it's going to happen. People's stuff is going to, 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 to impact our life. We live in a broken world. We are going to be dealing not only with the consequences of our own sin, but we're going to be in other people's stuff. And so Jesus is saying, forgive those who trespass against us. But then he goes on, and it's this passage in Matthew 18. When that brother or sister trespasses against you, then don't just forgive them in your heart. He actually says, love them. Love them and approach them 
first. See, what we like to do is we like to spill the tea to whoever wants to listen. We, we like to get on a soapbox and say, you'll never believe what he, or, he or she did to me, and, and, and let me build up my team so that we can come against them, and, and, and together we'll be more powerful, and then we'll shame them, and we'll ruin their reputation, and they'll have a really hard time getting over this because they deserve, they're going to get what they deserve. We take what, what is the Lord's vengeance into our hands. And Matthew 18 says, no, no, the first thing that you need to do is go. Go to that person that has hurt you. Go to that person that has trespassed against you. And then whenever you tell them what the hurt is, what the sin issue is, then you're giving them an opportunity to repent. You're giving them an opportunity to say, man, you're right. So let's read this. If your brother or sister sins, uh, sins. Go and point out their fault just between the two of you. So important. We get this wrong all the time. We love to get a third uh, opinion or an objective thing here. Jesus is telling us, go to them in private first. If they listen to you, you have won them over. Hallelujah. Okay, but if they will not listen, then take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Jesus is flexing his Bible knowledge. He's quoting a verse from Deuteronomy. He's saying that there is power. There is power in numbers, but make sure that you do that after you have personally gone to them. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So what we're seeing is a boundary and then a stronger boundary and an even stronger boundary. In this last boundary, it's, it's not a good one. It's, it's separation. But you know, it's separation after you have done what you can be responsible for or take control of. Boundaries are all about self-control and responsibility. Let's look at this third one. This is going to be fun. Matthew chapter 5. All of these are, uh, we're looking at, at direct commands from Jesus. Sermon on the Mount. Amazing. In the middle of it, in verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is by the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes, or no, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So let's break this apart. What Jesus is saying is, you have no control. Whenever you say, I swear by, or I, I promise you, you know, I, I swear to God, all those things, you are not God. And so what we are hearing here is Jesus is saying, don't, don't even say it, but like, I, I swear by myself or anything because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We don't know what's, what, what's going to happen two days from now. We can only control what we can say right there in that moment. And I think a, a really important boundary that we need to really exercise and learn is how to say no. Let's all say it together. It's going to feel real good. Here we go. No. Let's one more time, a little louder. Come on. No. 
Because when we say no, that's a boundary. We're saying no. We don't need to justify it. We don't need to qualify that statement by saying, well, I swear to God, or, or let me just give you the background. No, no, no. Just say yes or just say no. I have two toddlers in my house right now. Not one, two. An almost two-year-old and an almost three-year-old. The word no is said a ton in my house. It does drive, like even just saying it now, I'm like, ooh, it just crawls in my skin because they are challenging my authority as the father of the household. I tell them to do something. They look at me like, no. You know, and, 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 and it's different with the boys. I don't know why, but, but they like, it comes from within and they know, like they're getting ready. No. And, and, and through this series, I'm learning to appreciate that. Because, you know, that's their inner will. They're learning how to express their individuality. And what I need to do as a dad is not break that will, but discipline that will so that they can grow up to be men that have self-control and take responsibility for their actions. And once they start doing that, it's my goal as a dad, then I can fully release them. Until now, I'll put them in timeout or, or do some other consequence whenever they say no, because they're young and they need it. You know? but, but, but I think the problem with boundaries is, is especially when, when we're raising kids, those boundaries, you know, we, we set really thick, big, tall boundaries early on, and then they just need to get smaller and smaller and smaller as we trust that, that our kids are growing up with self-control. And here's the bottom line. We are much better, or at least we want to control others way more than actually exercising the self-control. You know why? Thinking about this all week. Why, why, why? It's not pretty. We want to be Jesus. We don't want to be like Jesus. We want to be Jesus. Here's what I mean by that. We want somebody to say, man, I needed you and you were there and you were the, you, you were the most important thing for me in, in that time of my life or through that crisis. We love receiving that affirmation. Here's the good news. We are not Jesus. We don't have what it takes. We aren't qualified. We aren't strong enough. We're not even wise enough. And so what we get to do is say, Lord, I release that to you. I'm allowing you to be Jesus in other people's lives and pray that, Lord, what's my responsibility here? What do you want me, how do you want me to love this person, this issue, this, this relationship? What boundaries do you need me to set so that I can be like you, but I am not you? See, Genesis 3 there was a garden, and then God said, my way, you know, limit, boundary, tree, don't eat from that one, eat from all the other ones, just don't eat from that one. And Adam and Eve looked at God the way that my two or three-year-old looks at me and said, no, I'm going to eat from that tree because I want to. I don't trust you. There was a consequence and there was a boundary. The consequence was death and the boundary was God kicked them out of the garden, put a big old angel in front 
So that, read it, read it today when you go home in Genesis 3, to protect them because he did not want them to live forever. What he means by that is he knew that if they went back into the garden, then he, they would live forever separated from God because God can't do sin in holiness. That boundary was blown away when Jesus became man. When God became flesh through Jesus Christ and he made a way for us to be fully reconciled back to him. And so now our responsibility, our number one responsibility is saying, thank you. I received that gift, Jesus. So maybe that's where you need to start today. Maybe that's, that's, that's the first step is saying, oh my goodness, God, I'm trying to do so much. I'm trying so hard to be all of these wonderful things for all of these people that I have forgotten what you have done for me. Second Corinthians 6, and with this I want to close and worship team, you guys can come back up. Second Corinthians 5, excuse me, said, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the gospel message. That's the good news. That even though we said no, God said yeah, I'm coming for you. And he broke through the boundary of sin. He made a way. And now we have right standing with God. And so as we think and pray with our, through our relationships, let's keep this in mind first. We're not Jesus, but let's look to him and allow, and allow us to be like him to those around us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this very challenging truth that you are who you say you are and we are not, God. We want to be like you. We want to be your arms and feet. We want to be growing and healthy and, and full of love, God, but we pray that you would teach us what boundaries we need to implement in our relationships. Father, I thank you that you, you, you choose to use us, but you don't have to because you are the healer. You are the great reconciler. You are our only hope. You are our redeemer. And I do pray for redemption in every circumstance that is present in this room and any home watching right now in this time, Father. I pray for your miracle to take place, for that relationship to be reconciled, for that sickness to be healed, for that addiction to be annihilated so that we can be one as you and the Father are one. And Lord, I also pray for the burden that we have to be you in other people's lives to be released. We release it to you right now and say that you and you alone are God and you and you alone are capable of healing. We're grateful, God, that you broke through the barrier of sin and you've reconciled us into right relationship with you. We celebrate that this morning. All this I pray in Jesus' name, amen.